thank you so much for joining us on our journey of voices. It's, it's been a push, and we're super excited to finally have you. Yeah. Absolutely. And now there's a, there's a lot that we got to learn about your story and about your past, and it's very interesting. But first and foremost, ground us with uh, where you're from and what it was like growing up there. Yeah. Well, my name is Phil Holmans. Um, I was born in Goose uh, Bay, Labrador, in Newfoundland. Uh, I come from a military family, so I grew up all around Canada and around Europe as well. So I spent most of my youth in Germany, uh, rural Germany, Baden-Baden-Lahr, Frankfurt. Um, this, my dad was special service, so he was always away, coming back, and would always bring back tea. So I grew up in a, in a heavy tea culture. Mom was an herbalist, would, draw, would grow gardener, would grow herbs in her garden, dry them, and like back on me here, we just had jars on our counter of like chamomiles and mints and verbenas and green tea and black tea and oolong tea and we would just throw them together and that's how I grew up drinking tea and then coming back to North America as a young man it was uh, different being immersed into a, a bag tea culture of like really poor quality uh, mass produced uh, products and I was like I just didn't grow up with that so it was kind of my parents also told me that pop was carbonated water, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's interesting right there. Um, so what was it like, because you said there was kind of a disconnect where when you did move back to North America, you didn't really have the same interest in, you know, cultivating the tea or drinking tea as much as as much as you did when you were a kid, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And that's because of the tea culture. It kind of opened up a whole new world to myself, Andreas, and everyone's going to see this, but the tea yeah. culture wasn't the same, essentially. So that's right. When, when, did the, the, when did you get kind of re-immersed into that tea culture that yeah. you so well? Yeah, well, uh, I went into coffee a little bit while I was in university and stuff, kind of got into that, because it was, it was big in Halifax coffee, you know, it was an emerging thing, small cafes were doing their own micro-roasting and stuff like that, so I was like, oh, that's really cool, you're producing stuff, but no one was doing that with tea. So the coffee side, I was able to like find that locally somewhat in, in small volumes, but when it came to like like good quality tea, I'd have to go to like the Chinese cultural center or the Indian cultural centers and find like tea from countries or order it online and bring it in. So my company actually started as a bunch of us ordering tea as a group, as like a cooperative group ordering it, splitting up between us 12 or 14, 15 tea geeks, and that spread and spread and spread, and then kind of evolve into the store, kind of. <laughs> wow. Now, before before the store, there was an interesting story that got you here. Yeah. Um, so if you could talk to us a little bit about your profession, what profession you went to, your career, and uh, how that led into World Tea House. Yeah, well, I was in uh, corporate finance, uh, hotels, and um, was in that for 10, 15 years. Uh, you know, making good money, traveling a lot, the hotel industry, you get to travel, you get you get staff rates on hotels, so I did a lot of traveling, which is another passion of mine, traveling, because yeah. I grew up military, we didn't stay put very long, so it's kind of in my blood to move around and see different countries, experience different cultures, and, um, and I had an accident at work that uh, left me partially paralyzed and multiple impacts on my skull, and brain injuries, and uh, that put me out of work for almost a year, and came back kind of a different person. Uh, during my recovery, I delved heavily into tea, because uh, reading about it, about the antioxidants and, and healing properties of this plant, I uh, read a lot about people with neurological conditions drinking tea and actually repairing neuropathies in some people's brains. Now, I didn't hold a lot of stock into it, but I was like, well, it can't hurt. Tea's good for you. So, 
in recovery with brain injury, you want repetition, you want to do a certain schedule, and tea was really part of my daily routine where I would get up, I would make tea, sometimes I would do it Japanese style, sometimes I would do it Chinese Kung Fu style, and uh, I would do all these different styles of making tea just because it took a long time to do, I had like a lot of spare time, and reading up about it and reading the cultures behind it and just kind of got into it a lot and started uh, doing tastings and writing. Uh, reviews and writing on blogs and stuff like that and then that kind of got me re-immersed kind of rekindled my passion for tea and then I uh, went back to my office uh, realized that crunching numbers for big corporate entities was not what I wanted to do anymore it was like, it was like I don't know changed person almost mm -hmm. the realization of I could do better Hmm. Um, doing something more small farmed, organic. I was really into the organic movement way before anyhow, but now I really wanted to focus on that. So uh, I went back to work maybe maybe six months, maybe not even that long before I decided to, uh, at that point I was doing farmer's markets, selling my tea on the weekends, uh, because I've been importing tea at that point, small scale, for yeah. myself and for you know packaging, doing some very small blending, maybe 15, 20 blends. And, and single estate teas, and um, after that, I was like, people kept asking me, "Where's your store? Where's your store? Where's your store?" I was like, "I don't have a store. I just do this just for fun." And they're like, well, you, should, "You should do this. You should do this." So it was also other people encouraging me to do this as well. So it took us almost almost a year to find this space, and then 2010 we opened and haven't looked back. Dove in two feet, 110 percent. I like that. Yeah, I'm excited. I think. Before we dig too much of, uh, in about where we are now and, and how things come to pass, you talked a lot about the transitions. I mean, you transitioned from being here to, to moving abroad yeah. um, and then coming back and things were kind of tumultuous, so to speak, in, in yeah. different ways and even, you know, changing from the corporate side to, you know, getting out and, and starting into the hobby, so yeah. to speak. But tea was kind of what grounded you throughout it. Yeah. How, I'm trying to think of, in terms of how it felt, what was that like? Because you know you're doing it as a hobby, yeah. and you started getting feedback, and you started yeah. getting pushed, yeah. and, and just even listening to you speak, it's it sounds like momentum, yeah. um, you know, step by step. So what did that feel like going through it? Because you know, going from a certain thing, you know, everyday life to uncertainty yeah. is, and I've been there, and I know a lot of us, you know, have been there and dealt with it in different ways. But what was that like for you? Yeah, uh, terrifying. Um, doing your passion as a business is terrifying because there's the there is the possibility that you won't succeed and to not succeed on something that you're passionate about it would be devastating right and I've seen it happen to other people and friends and for various reasons most of them not under, under their control so when I opened my tea shop here in 2010 I can remember vividly that morning taking the paper off of our windows so excited me and my partner in here were we're faded breath, we open up our doors and turn on the music and there's no one here. There's no one here for like half an hour, 45 minutes, no one here. And then all of a sudden people started coming, people started coming, people. And then at the end of the day our shop was packed full of people. And uh, that's when I knew. I was like, okay, we can do this. We can do this. It's, uh, it was a hard journey. I mean, we went through a lot of turmoil with construction and development and all that stuff. but. Uh, passion and perseverance like really does through and our community support we were very active in uh, community outreach 
anybody wants to use our space for really anything, open mic fundraisers, tea for Japan fundraiser when they had that great big disaster there, like, we we just do things, just ask us for the, yeah, we'll do that, yeah, we'll do that, no problem, yeah, we'll do that, um, just because, I don't know, it's kind of what a small business is supposed to be, I think, giving back as much as you take, right, sometimes more. <laughs> and I know from everything you've said in, in, in all of our conversations outside of this as well, like you are very much so somebody who's a member of the community. Yeah. You know, you're always talking about the greater T community. Yeah. Um, you're a world person, you know, yeah. part of the world greater community. And the music, all of the T's you have here, and then as you're talking about, you're very entrenched in this community, whether it's partnering up with local organizations, but really trying to bring traffic back to Argyle, yeah. which has been a challenge yeah. given all, everything that's going on. What has, I know you, know you talk about the resilience and the persistence, what has that been like for you? Because you know, having to I guess, transition from Argyle Street being vibrant to under construction, yeah. and people were going out of business and selling, and, and but you decided in the middle of that that you were gonna strap down and you were gonna stay in for the long haul. Yeah. What was the reason for that? So, uh, stubbornness and tenacity was probably why I stayed uh, on Argyle Street through the construction and development. Since 2013, we've been under development or living in the Nova Center or doing the streetscape project and stuff like that. Um, I come from a family of like kind of hard knocks. We never had a lot of, lot of money. We were military, we moved around a lot. Some moves were great, some not so great. And so, when you, when you grow up in an environment, moving around, experiencing a lot of different social, economic uh, climates, you kind of get a thick skin. And um, we had great community support here. There was a couple times where I went to my friends and family, and I was like, I don't, guys, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can like not pay myself anymore. We've remortgaged our house. I've given back my car. I've gone bare bones on our groceries. I was like, banks knocking at my door, landlords are knocking at my door. And uh, one of my customers was like, well, why don't we do one of these cash mob things? I was like, what's a cash mob? They're like, well, that's when we have a buying event and a lot of people come in and they basically flood you with cash. Uh, for one day, half a day or whatever, they just do that. And so one of my customers actually organized a cash mob. We just kind of put out the shout out on social media being like, hey guys, we're having a cash mob. If any local businesses want to donate like some door prizes, we'll do like a door prize thing. And man, we had such a flood of door prizes. We had like, I don't know, like 15 or 20 door prizes. I mean, we're not talking like little like candles or anything. We're talking like like tasting tours worth like $60 each, like for two people, like like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of door prizes. And I'm like, man, well, why didn't I do this sooner? <laughs> uh, so, uh, so that really gave us a good, uh, basically paid our rent in four hours. Uh, so that saved us for one month and then we had uh, uh, science fiction conference that we did uh, a couple weeks after that we do every year but this year in particular uh, people heard about I, I would cry for help because I'm very transparent about my business and about how we were struggling and so you put it out there being like everyone complains when businesses shut down it's time to step up and support struggling people on Argyle Street because if you don't support them if you don't go there and deal with the construction then they're gonna leave and then you're gonna be complaining they're not there. So so step up and support and they did. Like people just like that the science fiction conference, people were just like, how can we give you money? Gift certificates, you sell the gift certificates, you you know, just basically wow. people, the customers coming in and being like, I'm gonna give you 
a certain amount of money. And uh, I was like, I heard give a gift certificate. They're like, we don't only want a gift certificate. We're just going to give you some money. And then when you get a bunch of really good tea in, put it aside for me. <laughs> so, I mean, that just goes to show that people see the value of, of what I do. And I bring in good quality stuff from small farmers. And yes, sometimes I don't get a, like a large volume of it. And I'll give it to people that kind of help me out and stuff like that. And it's just, it's just a good sense of community. And that's really what got us through that hump of, uh, of this summer, which was kind of the worst part of it when we had April holes in front of our shop. Um, that community support really got us through. So it's kind of like giving the community for six years and all of a sudden, you know, you're in hard times and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And all of a sudden everyone rallies for you. Like even businesses I didn't really have that strong of a connection with like Propeller Beer and Dirty Nellies and Lot 6. I've done stuff for them before, helped them out with coffee service and tea for their cocktails and stuff like that. But I've never really thought of it as being something like, not really doing you a favor, you're buying my product, so it's kind of part and parcel of doing business with me. As a passionate business owner, I will share my recipes with you, I'll, I'll show that passion, and they really appreciated that, and they just kind of came back. So it's kind of the whole pay it forward thing that you don't really realize you're doing all this time, but it's kind of the person I am. Um, I just give, and people gave back, and that's what I serve. Before I let, before I let KB jump in, I know he wants it because you're speaking to a lot of things and, and that resonate with me in a big way. And so being in that, you know, you, you've moved around a lot and you're used to putting your head down and just grinding, just going through and, and working whatever the case is, you know, whatever the adversity is, just going about your business until, you know, the end of the tunnel is in sight. Yeah. What did that feel like to get that huge rush of support uh, you know, from the community and from people really going and having your back. Yeah, uh, it was, it was, uh, I mean, it made me cry. I mean, it was just so kind of emotionally humbling. Like, you just, you're just, you're just in pain, you're suffering, you're, don't know if you're going to pay your mortgage or your rent. You're like, oh, this is my dream. I built this up for six years. Like, it's, it's coming down. Like, how can I, how can I uh, stop this kind of spiral from down? And then all of a sudden, community support, and it's downward turning upward. And it just, all of a sudden, we were on the news. Like every two or three weeks, people were, news crews were coming in. Like, I want to tell your story. I want to, like, like you're, you're in here, and there's dust flying, there's, and there's cranes, and then your, your store is full of people. Like, like, who are these people? Why are they coming in here? And, and I'm like, because we're like the oasis of, of the dust storm or whatever. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so that turned into like an upward spiral of momentum and, and support and then when Argyle Street got finished it was like someone turned on a switch but turned it from negative 50 to plus 200 and now we've been doing like I wouldn't say awesome sales but we're above where we were in 2013 which is when it all started so now I'm ready just to as you said put my head down and start charging forward again yeah. And I love that you're kind of, you're coming out of it. You're coming out of the pit now. And I love that. And your values are very much aligned with the store. And you can feel that. Yeah. And you love the community. You see the value in the connected community. Yeah. I'm wondering, do you feel that when you travel to different places around the world as well? The importance of community when you're getting the teas from different places? Or? Absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of it is, is learning about other communities and cultures as well. Uh, I always tell the story of a South African doctor I met when I was traveling to South Africa. I met him in a little, little tea bar place, talking about you know what we did, you know tea importer, blah blah blah. What do you do? I'm a doctor. 
cool, awesome, well-paying job. Yeah, yeah, we paid well here. Doctors in Johannesburg. And, uh, you know, he asked me where I lived. And told him, you know, suburbs, you know, modest-sized house, blah, blah, blah. And uh, where do you live? And he points in the horizon. I said, oh, there's condos over there. He's like, no, 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 way over. And ignorantly, I said, in the shanty town. And he's like, he's like, well, we don't call it shanty towns. We call it home. Uh, and I was like, oh, ignorantly, why would you live there if you make so much money? And he's like, it's where my family is. He's like, uh, for me to live in the city, I would be a poor man. Uh, so it gave you that sense of like experiencing that sense of culture and that community, what it's like in other countries that I don't experience that here on a familial level. For him to tell me that his community put him through, through school, for him to be a doctor, and he puts all his money back into his community to buy a van for them to all go to work so they can all thrive and they still want to live in the same area uh, was, you know, not culture shock, but it was just like this, this a completely different way of thinking about, about community and family. And so I love going to different countries and experiencing that kind of style. You go to a place like India and an apartment building has, we would think an apartment building here of say 50, 60 units would have 50, 60 families. No, there it's like two or three families, and you, families live on floors. So your cousin lived next to you, your mom and dad live across the hall, blah, blah, blah. So I was, I was like shocked. I was like, man, I don't know if I'd want to live outside the hall from my father. And uh, it has me thinking as well because it seems like one of your pillars for your shop. So what are your goals or kind of your pillars that you lead the shop by every day? Yeah. You come in with certain things on your mind. Uh, example, treating my staff and my customers with complete transparency. So uh, I uh, my staff know how I'm doing, I let my customers know how I'm doing. If business is doing great, I tell them. If business is doing poorly, I tell them. Uh, if one of our farms isn't producing great tea, I tell them. If, you know, if our stocks are low because of some sort of social economic reason, like Darjeeling this year had this work stoppage on Darjeeling tea, we the shortage of Darjeeling tea is quite that. So transparency and just honesty is, is really kind of one, one of the main pillars that I operate on here. I find a lot of businesses lose that, uh, especially when they get bigger, 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 bigger. Your transparency goes away. You're going to be able to at least tell them like like where my tea comes from, the farms, the ingredients, and all that stuff. Where a lot of people don't disclose their ingredients or stuff. I mean, I my staff are all constantly telling me like this is you know part of the best place I've ever worked, and I'm like, well. It's nice for me to hear, because uh, I've worked in some pretty crappy places. Um, worked in some awesome places too. And I think from those awesome places that I've worked, even some of the not so great places, I take a little bit from each of those jobs that I've had, and I roll it into this job thing. Before we go into the teas, just because, you know, building off what you tell you, you know, taking a piece off of everything, because, you know, that is the experience, learning as you go along and growing from that. And I'm just curious, because ethics is a big thing for you. Spot on the website about it, yeah. and and as you know, our conversations about the different <clears throat> how you source your stuff, but not yeah. just oh, okay. Well, I want to get some tea from here, and then you go in and you do it, and you yeah. experience it, and you work with the people, and yeah. hands on. Yeah. Um, which, as you said, is a very different approach from other businesses, big or small. Yeah. How would you say, you know, that plays into? how you interact with people because you, you hold people to a high standard whether it's you know your, your partners yeah. or your customers or your employees yeah. um, but you know, 
being hands-on in other parts of the world and experiencing what community and what culture and what all those things mean and look like, yeah. how has that, if in whatever way, how has that shaped you and, and your interactions here? Yeah. Uh, well, for me to have an understanding of a product or a service that you get literally from a seed to your cup, in my case, like I've planted seeds, I've grown plants, I've, I've, I've made them with my own hands, I've dried them, I put them in your cup, I make boil the hot water and I put it over. So I have that, that experience right from, right from the ground, from soil acidity to flavor profile. I think understanding a product from the birth to the final stage is crucial when you're trying to sell something. So that's kind of how uh, my traveling has brought like um, validity to my to my to my craft and to my business is that the understanding and being able to experience that, that end to finish product. Um, plus, it gives me a really sense of connection with my farmers that I buy from. So you go there and you're working with them. You're picking the tea. You're crafting it. You're understanding their craft. Their explaining their passion and that just comes through their passion kind of goes into me and then I'm talking to my customers and that passion goes into them so it's it's that kind of transference of I don't want to call it energy but that transference of knowledge and, and history and culture and that just kind of goes through the whole uh, line of, of planting the seeds to going into my customers cups into the due to the tea farm uh, know their struggles, you know, help some of the kids through school, blah, 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 blah. So it's just like that kind of connection. People will be like, now this tea tastes better because now that you have a story behind it, you're, you're drinking it, you can you can see pictures of me online in, in the tea farms and you're like, yeah, he's, he's, he's legit tea guy. Like, mm -hmm. he's, he's, yeah. he, he's into it, manure and all. You know, when I'm making a tea blend, sometimes I'll be making a tea blend for a specific flavor character, like my After 8 uh, tea, for example, it's based off the After 8 candy, like the chocolate wafer, but it's also After 8, like after you eat, it's a good digestive tea, so it's like a double kind of meaning uh, thing, so sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll do things like that, and sometimes I'll put it out there in contests, my Mary Cranberry, it was originally called my mother-in-law's cranberry sauce yeah. tea, and it was too long, I guess, <laughs> the recipe is based off her cranberry sauce, I put it out there, I was like, name this tea and win it. And uh, one of my customers came up with Mary Cranberry. I'm like, done. You just won the tea. <laughs> so that's awesome. customers will name it too, right? Yeah, that's another way to keep the community involved in the process too, yeah. which, which I love. Yeah. Um, how has your day-to-day -day changed from maybe when you first started to now? What does your day look like? Seven and a half years ago, you know, it was it was pretty steady, but it was mostly me and one staff working here. So a lot of hours, a lot of time. Uh, day-to-day, -day, you know, stuff, trying to keep up on the accounting side, blah, blah, blah. Now I have uh, more staff and um, a little bit shorter hours and can travel more and uh, can take a month and just head up to the Himalayas and walk around and visit tea people and, and work on farms. And it's, uh, it's really nice to be able to do that. I mean, I didn't get able to do that this past year because of the financial restrictions with the Argyle Street, but next year, if business just goes the way it's going now, I'll be able to do more trips, which is really what I want to do. I have awesome, solid staff here that can, like, I have complete confidence can manage the shop along the way. I just to make sure I buy lots of tea before I go. Yeah. And um, I tried running two stores a couple of years ago, and it didn't work out because of this store not doing well, number one, and number two, it's this location in a mall. I realized that we're not a mall store. Mm. We're not mall people, we're, you know, 
street level, if we want to have belly dancers out in the weekend, we can just pull the thing out and have people dance on our street. Like, that's the kind of person I am. I'm very, not spontaneous, but like to just share the space with people that, that want to do things. And, right, so I need a, another store like this so that I can just do things. Just have it available for anything. Community, people coming in, workshops, open mic, whatever. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I'm curious because we've talked about it. What kind of a mark do you want to leave in the community? Because you said you bring lots of people in, you want this to be a hub, and it is yeah. in a lot of ways. And I know some of the things that you foreshadowed a little bit, but up and coming. Yeah. But using the street to really create that vibrant atmosphere or ecosystem. What. And I guess you're talking about replicating it in Dartmouth. Yeah. What would that look like? What kind of a, a marker, what kind of a feel do you want your community to think when they think of you? Yeah, um, well for this summer, I want to be the business that people walk by on the weekends and be like, what are they going to do? What are they going to do this weekend? Are you, well, you going to have dancers out there? Are you going to have someone playing guitar? Are you going to have a magician doing tricks for kids? Are you going to have a balloon tire? Like, like well, what are you going to do? Like, I just want to do like really random awesome things that really kind of draw people in here that's fun and very family oriented and, and uh, inclusive to all genders and body types and just kind of embracing um, everything together is kind of like what we do here. We embrace all cultures, all ethnicities, all sexual orientations. It, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. You come in here, you have tea, you talk to Phil and I just don't judge, right? Um, so that's kind of what we want to do here. I don't, I don't know if I can replicate that in Darwin. So I'm interested in opening up the second store, seeing what it evolves into, seeing what that community in Dartmouth takes with that space, and and see what what that community around there will will do with a company like mine that's very transparent, ethical. Um, that see what that evolves into, because I mean, you always have a plan of what what you want for your business, but uh, it evolves into things completely different than what you want. Like this, this business has evolved into completely different than when we started, like seven and a half years ago. So we decided to, you know, what you're a tea place, hundred percent tea, everything focused on tea. Um, even even your coffee uh, that we drip, we brew here, drip coffee. I, I I joke with people, it's bean tea, right? Uh, so I just everything everything tea. Is there any message you hope people can take away from your story? I would say don't jump in 110% right away, uh, build it. Uh, so start off with maybe a small online store, farmers markets, put in the time, put in the effort, uh, build community around you. Uh, you're only as good as the people who help you. So um, so doing it all by yourself, you're, you're just gonna, you're gonna fall, right? But if you build yourself up around all supporting people, you fall, they will help you out. Thank you so much. Like Before that. we let you get out of here, we gotta get your official sign off. Yeah. My name is Philip Holmans, and this is my voice. Yeah.